Amen. What a joyous occasion that we have where we get to uh, celebrate the birth of our Savior. And uh, in addition to that, be able to uh, anxiously anticipate his second coming, to look forward to the day when he will uh, return for his people. And that is something that we can have hope, joyous hope in and look forward to. So this is a, a wonderful time of year to be able to remember um, the sacrifice of our Savior um, as he's born and he sacrificed himself for you and I. And uh, I don't know about you, you guys are probably a little better than I am, but I don't deserve it. I don't deserve what uh, this, this free gift that is, is really readily available for, for us. I personally don't deserve it, but I'm grateful. I'm so happy and I'm grateful for his mercy and his grace. We're going to continue our, our, our series here this morning in the book of Acts. Turn with me in your copy of God's Word to Acts chapter 15. This morning I want to talk about salvation. What, what is salvation? If any of you have been in the church for any amount of time, maybe you grew up in the church, um, you might be familiar and used to hearing People talking about getting saved. But the question is, getting saved from what? Getting saved uh, to what? Well, what is this all about? And, and hopefully, if you're a Christ follower, you are able to answer that question for yourself. But, you know, as a disciple of Jesus and we go out and share the good news, I would imagine this might be a question that might be posed to you as you're having a conversation. If you talk about somebody, whether they be at work or, you know, in an organization that you serve in and you get an open door from God to share the good news and you might ask them, are you saved? And they, they might have not grown up in church, don't have any, because the realization is that these days people have not grown up in church by and large. You know, this new generation, um, this is all foreign to them to, to come to a place and, and open up. The, I mean, people even just reading the Bible or having Bibles in their houses are becoming more and more scarce. Because so for the luxury that you and I have had growing up and we kind of understand some of this language, the newer generations have no idea, no clue what you're talking about. What he saved? I'm doing all right. I, I mean, I'm, I'm safe. I, I don't have to worry about people breaking into my house and, or, or stealing and getting robbed or anything. I think I'm safe. Like, no. Are, are you saved? I wonder if how many of us can articulate what it actually means to be saved. We're going to talk about a little bit. We're going to talk about some confusion about being saved here in the, the book of Acts, how a person gets saved is very important. This is not just something we say and do. This is not just a churchy thing that we talk about. It is vitally important to our walk as Christians, as Christ's followers. The great reformer Martin Luther thought it was important enough to risk his well-being and to risk his life when he nailed his grievances on the door at Wittenberg. He was contending for the truth that the people be saved by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. That's how important it was 
then, then that's how important it ought to be for us now. Look with me in your copy of God's Word. Acts chapter 15, we'll start in verse 1. Here God's Word reads, But some of the men came down from Judea and were teaching the brothers, unless you are circumcised according to the customs of Moses, you cannot be saved. And after Paul and Barnabas had no small dissension and debate with them, Paul and Barnabas and some of the others were appointed to go to Jerusalem to the apostles and the elders about this question. So being sent on their way by the church, they passed through both Phoenicia and Samaria, describing in detail the conversion of the Gentiles and brought great joy to all the brothers. When they came to Jerusalem, they were welcomed by the church and the apostles and the elders, and they declared all that God had done with them. But some believers who belonged to the party of the Pharisees rose up and said, it is necessary to circumcise them and to order them to keep the law of Moses. Now, to refresh your memory, not everyone rejoiced at the Gentiles uh, having an encounter and uh, being uh, professing their faith for Jesus and what he had done. Some of the Jewish believers thought the Gentiles needed to become Jews. They had to have the Jewish customs in order to actually be called and become Christians. And that may sound strange to us now, but the thought then was that the Gentiles had to assume all the ceremonial laws in order to be saved. Unfortunately, we we still see this here today. We have people that argue against the idea of salvation by grace alone. Many people still have a, a, a works-based uh, theology. Of, they have a, they think you have to do something in order to earn your way to have righteousness, to earn your way to have salvation. Or uh, to put it more plainly, they, they think they need Jesus plus something else. They think they need Jesus plus baptism. They think they need Jesus plus church attendance. They think they need uh, Jesus plus long pants and long skirts. They think they need Jesus and and no alcohol and no dancing. We can't add to or take away anything when it comes to the the scriptures. Uh, We we just can't uh, infuse our own thoughts and beliefs into the gospel, the good news. Jesus plus nothing is everything. Let me say that again. I heard a few amens, but I think I need to hear more. Jesus plus nothing is everything. Amen. That's what we need to understand, and that's what we need to get when when we hear this. Well, I hope I can do enough to earn my way into heaven. Let me tell you, brothers, I mean, you cannot do enough to earn your way. Jesus did it all. Jesus paid it in full. The full price, the full cost. Jesus did it alone. He don't need your help. He did it all. He paid the, and, and, and by saying that, well, I need to do extra, what, what in actuality, what you're doing is saying that Jesus giving up his life for, him, for us, it wasn't enough. What you're saying is that Jesus, she, she should have, he should have went further, that, that, that he does need my help, that it wasn't sufficient what he did for us. I don't think we take it that we understand that when we say things 
like, well, I need to do all these things to earn my way. Jesus is enough. Jesus is enough. His grace is sufficient. Ephesians 2 and 8 says, By grace you've been saved through faith, and it's not of your own doing. Why? It says it's a gift from God, not a result of work, so that no one may boast. Because I know me. Like I said, y'all might be better than me, but I know me. If, if, if I had any influence in this, I'd be like, look what I did. <laughs> I did all these things, not earn my way. I deserve my seat in heaven. But no, if any, you're anything like me, you've been saved by grace through faith. And it's not of your own doing. It's the gift from God, not a result of work, so that no one can boast. Galatians 2 and 16 goes on and says, Yeah, we know that a person is not justified by works of the law, but through faith in Jesus Christ. So we also have believed in Jesus Christ in order to be justified by faith in Christ and not by works of the law, because by works of the law, no one will be justified. You can underline that in, in your text. By the works of the law, no one will be justified. But if in our endeavor to be justified in Christ, we were found to be sinners, is Christ then a servant of sin? Certainly not. Absolutely not. So this is the confusion here in the Jerusalem council. You know, these, these, these people uh, of the party of the Pharisees and say, well, you know, uh, yeah, they accepted Christ, but there's some more check boxes they need to check in order for us to really accept them as Christ's followers. We'll continue on in verse 6. It says the apostles and the elders were gathered together to consider this matter. Uh, so I love how they're having this conversation and they're... <laughs> What we don't do today is we don't listen. We have a lot of discussions that are going on, and people have got their opinions. And um, when we, you want to be in this camp or that camp, there's just so much dissension in this world today that we don't even bother to listen. If you sound like you're talking uh, uh, something about my opponents or saying something that I don't agree with, I'm just going to shut down, and I don't care what you got to say. But instead, we get this example in the text of them coming and it says they were considering what was going on. Like, okay, here, here's, the, here's the basis that we have. Here's the standard that God has set for us. But these brothers and sisters, they, I believe you're brothers and sisters. And so let me listen to what you're having to say before I come and have a response. I want to understand what it is. There might be some good or, or true grievances that you have. And let's deal with those as brothers and, and sisters. It says the apostles and the elders were gathered together to consider this matter. And after there had been much debate, Peter stood up and said to them, Brothers, you know that in the early days God made a choice among you, that by my mouth the Gentiles should hear the word of the gospel and believe. And God, who knows the heart, bore witness to them by giving them the Holy Spirit, just as he did to us. And he made no distinction between us and them, having cleansed their hearts by faith. Now, therefore, why are you putting God to the test by placing a yoke on the neck of the disciples that neither our fathers nor we have been able to bear? But we believe that we will be saved through grace of the Lord Jesus, just as they will. 
the apostles and elders, they, they got together and they're having this discussion. They didn't try to get a new word. They weren't out to try to get a new revelation. Well, we hear that a lot of these days. I got a new revelation from the Lord. The Lord spoke to me and told me. That's not what the apostles and the elders did. They, they went to the scriptures. They, they said, this is how God has operated. This is how God has already worked. And they used that to inform how they make decisions. They didn't need something, something new, something extra biblical, something that is not within the scriptures. That's what these new revelations are. You want, you're trying to add to the text. It's, it's already finished. The, the Jesus said, it is done. It is finished. But we get this example here of how they dealt with that. When they went to the word of God and they reasoned based on scripture, we see that it's incredibly important when there are theological issues that we submit ourselves to the scriptures and not to our traditions, not even to our own wisdom, because our wisdom is is fallible. Our, our thoughts, feelings, and emotions, and all those things get in the way for us to have a, a solid standard. We have that within the Bible. Peter stands up and gives one of the strongest defenses of salvation by grace through faith that we find in Scripture. Here, Peter explains how God saved the Gentiles. If you remember, just back a couple chapters and, and his uh, vision that he had, uh, how you know God was telling him, don't call anything unclean that I may clean. And he goes to the house of Cornelius and he shares, <laughs> amazing, Cornelius said, hey, we, we hear you came from God, tell us what you got. Tell us all about this God that you serve. And Peter stood up, he was ready to go, he was audible ready. And he's like, here's what God has to say. Here is the gospel. Here's the, the good news. And Cornelius and his household was saved. Peter explains how the Gentiles in the early days of the church didn't have any requirement of circumcision or the law or keeping of rituals. He refers back again to Acts 10. And God made no distinction between Gentiles or Jews. The reminder for us that God showed no partiality. All could come to the kingdom. All could come and profess their faith. If God didn't require any additional qualifications, then who are we to add our own? Who, who are we to say, well, these are the things that I did, so you got to do it too. Who do you think you are? Peter also makes the distinction that the law is not what saves us. And sometimes we think the we see the, the law in the scriptures, we see this referred to as a yoke. And a yoke is an instrument made of wood and it's placed around the necks of an animal or a slave and is always a symbol of some type of burden. But Peter here is referring to a yoke, not just uh, circumcision, but all the, the entire Mosaic law is what uh, Peter is referring to as a yoke. So in saying that the, the law is, is an unbearable yoke, and Peter is making the argument that salvation could not be obtained through the law. To explain this a little bit further, Romans 2 and 17, it says, but you call yourself a Jew and rely on the law and boast in God and know his will and approve what is excellent because you are instructed from the law. 
And if you are sure that you yourself are a guide to the blind, a light to those who are in darkness, an instructor of the foolish, a teacher to the children, having in the law the embodiment of the knowledge of truth, you then, who teaches others, do you not teach yourself? While you preach against stealing, do you steal? You who say that you must not commit adultery, do you commit adultery? You who abhors idols, do you rob temples? You who boast in the law, dishonor God by breaking the law. For it is written, the name of God is blaspheme among the Gentiles because of you. Peter, in, in this portion, is making the argument that the point here is the Jews themselves. They're saying, the Jews are saying, hey, the Gentiles have to do all these other things, but the Jews themselves are unable to keep the law. So what made them think the Gentiles could? When you look at the law, you look at the Old Testament law, you have 613 laws. I mean, unless you got them all memorized, I seriously doubt you can go a day without breaking one of those. But, but this is what the, the Jews were talking about. And there's, there's people today that think, well, we've got to do all these things in order to be saved. Or some think, well, maybe you can get away with it for a while and you can do these things and you can be saved. But if you do, if you break into these laws, then you lose your salvation. That's, that's a story for another day. But, but don't get it twisted, though. Even though we're talking about what um, we can't accomplish, we can't abide by all these laws, just because we're not saved by the law doesn't mean you can go off and do whatever you want to either. It does not mean that, well, since I know I'm no good and I can't do it, I may as well just do whatever I can and, and just be covered by the blood of Jesus and live whatever kind of way I want to. No, that's going the wrong direction as well, because Romans 6 and 1 it says, what shall we say then? Are you to continue in sin so that grace may abound? By no means. How can you who died to sin still live in it? What's great about the salvific nature of this is when we follow Jesus, he changes our heart. He, he actually takes our heart of stone and gives us a heart of flesh. So we see that in Ezekiel. And, and I praise God for that. And because of this, this heart transplant that we receive, our, our thoughts and our desires change. You know, we are transformed by the renewing of our minds. And so the stuff that I used to like to do, I don't like no more. The people I used to like to hang around with, I, I can't do it no more. The things that I used to say, I can't let pass my lips anymore because I love Jesus that much because the gift that he's given to me. And he's, he's made me a new person, a new creation. And, and I want to do everything that I can just to be with him and continue to think on him. In verse 13 in, chat, in Acts 15, after they had finished speaking, James replied, brothers, listen to me. Simon has related how God first visited the Gentiles to take from them a people for his name. And with this, the, the words of the prophets agree, just as it is written. And after this, I will return and I will rebuild the tent of David that has fallen. I will rebuild his ruins and I will restore it. 
that remnant of the mankind may seek the Lord and all the Gentiles who were called by my name, says the Lord, who makes these things known from old. Therefore, my judgment is that we should not trouble those of the Gentiles who turn to God. Here speaking, uh, so there's this whole council that get together. There uh, might be at a round table or something like that. They're all having this discussion. Peter gives a defense. And here James, the half-brother of Jesus, come, uh, uh, stands up and speaks up and co-signs on what has already been said by Peter and others. And he quotes Amos 9, 11 through 12 to show that Scripture had already foreshadowed God's plan for redeeming all the people, including the Gentiles. Now, there's a gang of Old Testament scripture that um, he could have used and referenced, but I'm going to guess he was trying to take it easy on them. It's like, hey, we, we came here to have this discussion, but if you know what God has already written, this, this discussion should be a lot shorter. He's like, so here's, here's a piece from Amos and if, if, you, if you want more, I got more in the chamber, but I'm just going to lay this here so that we can have a refresher of what God has said and what he's done in the scripture already. Remember, I, I, I talked about how important it is to reason from scripture, and this is a great example for us. And not just to, to talk about what's going on. This is why we read through the Bible together every year. This is why we have our, our Bible studies and things of the nature so that we can understand and know what God has said. And so when we come up to various challenges in our own lives or we're, we're asked a certain question that we can go back to Scripture, that we, God will bring this up in our minds so that we can be able to give a defense for the, the hope that we have within us. As we navigate through this life, many of our questions would be answered if we would just look to the Bible more than we look to human wisdom or other people's opinions. Uh, this is the, what, where the danger is for us these days. Instead of going to the scripture, we want to go to the Facebook or, or go to the TikToks or go to the, the Wikipedias. That's not the correct destination for the answers that we need for ourselves in our own lives. Uh, we need to go to Scripture. I'm going to jump to verse 30 here in, in Acts 15. So when they were sent off, they went down to Antioch, and having gathered the congregation together, they delivered the letter. When they had read it, they rejoiced because of its encouragement. Judas and Silas were themselves prophets encouraged and strengthened the brothers with many words and after they had spent some time they were sent off in peace by the brothers and those who had sent them but paul and barnabas remained in antioch teaching and preaching the word of the lord with many others you know what i love about this is as we read through and i, I talked about you know firstly they 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 listen they they really took into account what their brothers came to them with. And they wanted to reason. They did so by reasoning by the scripture to, in order to make a decision and understand and communicate that. Uh, all through this, uh, the amount of grace that's taking place is, is fantastic. You know, I wish that, that we could extend grace to one another just as the grace has been extended to us. If we think about what God himself has done for us and, and the grace that he's extended to us alone, man, I wish that would propel us to extend that grace to other people. 
But instead, yeah, they didn't talk to me today, so I'm not, I'm not going to ever talk to them. They didn't invite me to their event, or they said this wrong thing, and I know they were talking about me. We don't extend the grace that was afforded to us to go to our brothers and sisters and, and ask the question, help me to understand what, what was going on here. I, I took offense to this, but I want to know, uh, are you aware that you were being offensive? Did you mean it that way? Man, what it would look like if, if we, who call ourselves Christ followers, would extend this type of grace to other people, to go and understand uh, or where people are coming from. Maybe if people have bad days. Again, this is me. I have bad days sometimes. And sometimes um, things do escape my mouth before I get to think about it. And I got to be told about, about myself. Like, hey, you said this. I don't I mean, that was kind of harsh. And then that gives me an opportunity to, to, to uh, uh, ask for forgiveness. Brother, I, sister, I didn't mean that. I, I'm so sorry. This is what was going on. This happened just before we had the conversation. This is the thing that was happening. I'm not trying to excuse anything, but I, I am so sorry. That won't, that won't happen again as, as much as I can help it. Man, if we would just extend the grace to others that we have received, uh, man, not only the church, but this world will be a much, much different place. I love how we, we start off with this disagreement here in Scripture, and they hash things out using the Scriptures, and, and it ends with unity. It ends with joy, and it ends with a deeper understanding and appreciation for God and His Word. Man, what a testimony that is for us. As we're doing life together, man, if we can come out with uh, and be unified and come out and be joyous and have a deeper understanding and appreciation for God and his word, man, we're doing something well. We're doing something right if that happens. The council agreed with James and they decided to send men with Paul and Barnabas to Antioch to give the report on the meeting. Let them know all the things that are happening about. This is how we hashed it out. This is what we came to. Here's what we see in the scriptures. And we hope that you would submit yourself to what God says. And they want to say, hey, I think it should go this way, so you should do what I say. No, it's that this is what God says. And I, and I pray and I hope that you would submit yourself to God and his word. Brothers and sisters, we need to be ready to contend for the faith. This is the goal. This is why we assemble here. Uh, when we come together, when we gather, we come to worship our Lord and Savior. But we also come here so that we can be equipped for the work that he has for us. The work isn't here for you sitting in the pew. That's not your work. That's not your job. My job is to stand here and say what thus saith the Lord so that you can take that and go do your work. God has placed people around you. Whatever you do, whatever job that you have, maybe you're retired and you're in various organizations or uh, you spend time doing various things. God has placed people within your sphere so that you can have an influence on them for the gospel, for the kingdom, so that he can open a door for, for you to, to, to tell them about your testimony and how good God is so that their life might be transformed. The Great Commission tells us to go, therefore, and preach the gospel to all nations. 
and starting in this nation right here in Bolingbrook. We're to go and to, 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 to share what, what is going on. We need to be able to contend for the faith. And there's going to be questions. You don't have to have the answer to every question. But there are going to be questions that come up. And some you'll have the answers to and some you won't. I remember um, a number of years ago, there was a guy that I worked with um, who was a professed atheist. And we were good friends and, you know, had a lot of things in common. And he knew I was Christian. That's the first step. Do people around you know you're a Christian? And, and how would they know? You know, if you talk about everything else, but you never talk about, you know, what, what God is doing. You never say, hey, what you do on Sunday? Oh, well, I just, you know, the same old, same old. Like, man, I, you know, I went to, went to church, spent time there with my brothers and sisters and, you know, heard a good sermon. Would you like to hear, would you like to hear what, what I learned this Sunday? Or even just, you know, when they're asking for advice or whatever it is. So I had this friend and he would uh, frequently come and things would come up and he'd ask for advice. And the best I could, I didn't, I didn't always do well with this, but I would try to reason from Scripture and tell him, well, this is what I believe. And I would tell him, we would talk about those things. And so he began to ask questions about different things. He would just come up and he would have some, some type of religious or biblical question. I was, his, I was his Bible guy. And we would come and some of, the, some of the things I was ready to have answers for and, you know, we would, you know, dialogue back and forth. But some of the stuff I didn't. I'm like, I have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> Let me research that. And let's, let's talk about it some more. What that did was elongate. It gave me another opportunity to have a gospel conversation with him. And he respected it for that. It's like, well, I know you're not just making it up as you go. I know you're not just telling me all this stuff. You're, you're going to go and find the answer, and, and you're going to show me. And, you know, I go open up the scripture with him and, and point to, this is what it says here, and this is kind of the background and what's going on. And we would have tons and tons of conversations. And I tell you what, I, t- to be frank with you, you know, even though I was praying for him, I, I, I personally, this was a shortfall for me, I personally didn't think he was going to come to the Lord. I figured, well, I, I don't know what's going to happen to this dude. But what I did know was that each time I went to research to, to answer some more questions for him, I grew. I was being significantly filled. I was growing spiritually in my maturity leaps and bounds because of our, our interactions. And that was, that was fantastic for me to, to go through that. And like I said, I didn't think anything would come of those conversations. Years later, he calls me up one day, and he's like, you'll never guess what happened. I said, what happened? He's like, I got baptized yesterday. I said, you got what? I got baptized yesterday. Hey, well, pray. Tell me about this. I need to know. Praise God. And he's uh, he's actually working in the church now. He's he's got a tech, tech job with the church. But man, that influence. I mean, it was nothing me because, like I said, I I didn't know. I was just trying to be obedient in what God was doing. I just kept answering these questions. I would go in and study with them. I was I didn't clam up and like, well, go talk to somebody else about that. We've got to be ready and able to contend for the faith. And it's okay to say, I don't, I don't know the answer right now, but I'll find out for you. 
you know, people uh, that are in your sphere of influence, they're there for a reason, right? They, they're drawn to you for a reason. I don't resonate with everybody. I don't know why. I mean, I think I'm a pretty cool guy. I think I'm pretty easy going. But people that God has put people in your life because for a reason, right, that you connect with them on a certain level for a reason so that you can have that open door and share the good news with them. People that I won't be able to reach. So you just can't bring them here and say, hey, talk to the pastor. He'll get you set straight. That's your job. That's why you're here. Jude 3 says, Beloved, although I was very eager to write you about our common salvation, I found it necessary to write an appeal, write appealing to you to contend for the faith that was once for all delivered to the saints. And if we lose the gospel, we lose everything. When, when that's not a part of our lives, when that's not a part of our fabric we're completely missing the mark. Let me tell you, if you feel like you're wandering aimlessly, that you have not found the purpose in your life, you've got to ask yourself, am I being obedient to what God has called me to do? Am I stepping through the doors that God is opening for me? We've got to ask that question. Here's how Paul puts it in 1 Corinthians 15. For I deliver to you as first importance what I also received. Right? So Paul received all this from the text of the scripture and his encounter with Jesus. And he said, I gave it to you. All the letters that we have written to the churches from, from Paul, all the missionary journeys we know that he went on, is because he was prepared and he gave it to somebody else. That's what discipleship looks like. That, that we go get it. We work with people here that we, we are being discipled with and then we go disciple somebody else. It says, for I deliver to you a first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scripture, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scripture. In a nutshell, this is the core of the gospel. This is what we need to be able to articulate when it comes to those gospel conversations. When we contend for the faith, this is the, the core of that message. And then again, God has put people in your midst for a reason. They resonate with you for a reason. So you should be ready to share your testimony. What has God done for you? I don't think we spend enough time thinking about what God has done for us. We're so wrapped up in the hustle and bustle and the stuff that doesn't work that we forget to thank God for waking us up this morning. That we forget to give God what he rightly deserves when, when you couldn't have find your way out of a paper bag, but God was there. And he showed you the path. He showed you the way. That, that, that when you're having struggles at your job and with a boss that is just getting on your last nerve every, every day, that somehow God changed their heart and now you kind of get along. I'm not saying you're best friends, but that you're able to go and you're able to have some influence, that they have, there's a mutual respect there, that you have a best friend that, that is just struggling and deeply. You, you, we sometimes forget to thank God for, for putting them on the, back on the path, They're opening their eyes and ears to, to what the gospel has to say to them. As we contend for the faith, it's important that we uh, persevere and that we preserve unity in the body of Christ. So it starts here. 
It starts with us. We can't expect to have unity outside these four walls and we can't do it right here. Because of who Christ is and what he's done for us, this is kind of like a, a practice area, some, some training wheels right here at the church that we get to practice being unified, being joyous with one another so that when we get out of here, we can uh, continue to do that. We know what it looks like. We know how to embrace it. And in order to do this, it might mean that we abstain from certain liberties in order to maintain peace and avoid violating people's conscience of those of our weaker brothers. Right? That might mean that, you know, maybe you do observe uh, some of these customs that the, the Pharisees were talking about. Or some of the Pharisees kind of relax a little bit when it comes to things that the Gentiles were doing that um, they didn't particularly care for. As long as they are not uh, going against what God has called us to do, as long as it's not sin, you know, maybe you need to loosen up a little bit. So as we, we talk about this, what, what is salvation? I mean, we have this great thing that, you know, God has, has perfectly designed everything that there is. He spoke in the universe, leapt into existence. And then he created these people, Adam and Eve, and he, you know, uh, man, it must have been so great to walk around in a garden, but they, they uh, wanted to f figure out their own way. They wanted to figure out what to do on their own. The serpent comes in and hijacks everything. He twists scripture just enough that it sounds close to what God said, but it wasn't what God said. Like, oh, that sounds good to me. That sounds all right. Maybe we should. Eat. Yeah, I want to know stuff. I want to be like God. And how dangerous that is. And we see the repercussions from that even today. As they walked into this sin, they immediately start blaming one another. Like, oh, it's their fault. It's your fault. Right? What are we going to do? And ever since then, the man has been trying to figure out how to correct this. How do we find joy? How do we find comfort? And we do all these different things. But the only, uh, only thing that is secure, the only thing that can, can help us is God himself. We try to find all these things, but praise God, he, he had a plan. He had a plan from the very beginning. It wasn't plan B. It wasn't plan C or D. This is the plan. And that was to send his one and only son. That whoever would believe in him would not perish but have everlasting life. This is the son of his. He came to this earth. He put on flesh and lived a life that we couldn't, that we can't. Even though he was tempted, he never sinned. There had to be a perfect sacrifice to pay the penalty of sin. And Jesus chose to do that on our behalf. He gave up his life for us. And it, the story could have stopped there. It was like, okay, it's done, it's ready to go. But Jesus ascends to the right hand of the Father. He prays for us. He intercedes for us on our behalf. And what we get to look forward to is his return. What we get to look forward to is him coming back to gather his people, where we get to be with him for forever and eternity. You, 
We've got a lot of older saints here, and I praise God for each of every one of you, but regardless of how old you are, eternity is a lot older, a lot longer. And that's how long we get to spend with our Father in heaven. I can't wait. I can't wait to be there, and I can't wait to see you there. If you've got questions for me this morning about this gospel, if you still got questions about salvation and what that means, uh, I would love to have that conversation with you. Don't be ashamed. I, I had those questions once upon a time as well. Lots of people do. Or if you've got questions about how you have this conversation with others, yeah, let's, let's have that conversation too. My goal, my aim is so that you would get to know him, that he would continue to refine you and make you more like him with every passing moment. Let's pray. Lord God, uh, come to you now so grateful. Grateful for your goodness and mercy and who you are. Father, I'm astounded by the stories that we read here in the Bible and, and how much uh, we can resonate with them. We have so much misinformation in the world today and people say different things about different topics, but Father, I love that you saw fit to put these things in the scriptures so that we can put ourselves in those places and, and know and be able to handle those things as they come up in our own lives, and that we can look to you, that we can uh, base our reasoning on the scriptures, that we can uh, be able to give a sound uh, reason for the hope that's in us, and we can be able to contend for this faith just as you has asked us. So, Father, thank you so much for that. Thank you for loving us in the way that you have. Thank you for continuing to shaping and, and molding us into your image. Father, help us to have courage to go out and share this good news, uh, that the people that you've placed in our sphere, that we would uh, have the courage and love them enough that we would share the gospel with them so their lives might be changed. Not that we can get the, the glory and honor, but we can give it to you the way you rightly deserve. Father, we thank you so much, and we love you so much. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.